been working through the book of James. Uh, this is week number 10, and this is the last of the 10 weeks. Uh, so I, I guess I felt like the Lord was saying, let's, uh, let's do a little jog through what we've covered. Quick review of the first nine weeks. So the challenge is in about 35 minutes, we're going to cover the whole book of James. How you like them odds, huh? Long shot there, Pastor Jeff, uh, but we're going to give it a try. If you missed a week or two, or hopefully if, uh, if you maybe say, ah, I, I, I don't think I caught that, did you know that there's a lot of places, Brant's going to help me out here, where you can go and get caught up. If you miss a Sunday, um, we have a Facebook page. We also, you can follow us on YouTube. You, we also, uh, Walloon Church has a podcast, so you can go there. Is it on Spotify? Spotify, Apple, and Google Play, okay? A few of you, I know I'm speaking Russian too. Uh, some of you, you understood what I just said, so there you go. But the point is, there's lots of places you could go and catch up uh, and watch or listen. But here's a little pro tip, are you ready? If you want to watch the worship which in my mind, when I go to other churches, I mostly want to listen to their worship and sing along. Then you got to go to Facebook for that one. Okay, there you go. And, and the Facebook page has all the back ones too, and you'll get the worship too. So there you go. Uh, so here we are. Uh, we're going to look at the last nine weeks, and then we're going to get to uh, number 10. We're actually going to put that into practice. So here we go. Uh, ready? Lace up your shoes. Uh, Yep, there we go. Uh, we're going to go a little run. Back in the day, I, uh, I ran cross-country. Ron, that was uh, about 50 pounds ago, uh, and dark hair. Anyway, here we go. Uh, James chapter 1 and verse 2 is here we, where we begin. Consider it pure joy, Myron Matz, when you face a week of bronchitis and sinus infection. Think about it. Bronchitis, sinus, consider it pure joy. Consider it pure joy. Who should I pick on? Andy Boudigier. When the IRS selects you and your business for a full audit. Just, just consider that full joy. Uh, consider it pure joy, uh, Chase Overbeek. When you get to wait three hours and spend $500 to put snow tires on your, on your truck. Consider that. Pure joy. I'm sure some of you had that pure joy in the last week or two. Consider is a banking term. Give me your eyes. In the Greek, it means to apply something to the proper account. Okay? So, so when you get a check in the mail, you know you're supposed to put the check in the credit column. And when the bill comes in the mail, you're supposed to apply the bill to the debit column. Does that make sense? So it's, it's an accounting, banking term. James instructs us, James 1, verse 2, when a trial shows up in the mailbox of your life, put that trial, put that pain, put that difficulty in the joy column. And the next question then is, why, oh why, would I want to do that? Why would we put trouble and pain and difficulty in the joy column? The answer is verse 3, James 1, because the trials of life test our faith. 
Trials are God's steermaster to make us stronger. It says, verse 3, trials build staying power, endurance, stamina. One of the problems in the world today and in our culture, we give up way too easy. Something gets hard, we quit, we run. I'm not going to do that. It says trials build perseverance. Perseverance is determination under adversity. I'm telling you, trials gives us that ability to keep on, keeping on, even when it's hard, even when it's painful. It's the grit to not give up, even when life is painful and hard and difficult. Second reason why we put trials in the joy column. Because it, it makes us stronger, it builds perseverance. Second reason, verse 4, this might be more important, it builds in us maturity. So trials build completeness. In other words, it forces us to grow up. If we didn't have trials, many of us, we'd stay baby Christians. We would never grow, we would never mature. Trials, difficulties, pain force us to grow up and become more like Jesus Christ. Romans 8, verse 29. So trials do a second good thing. It, it, it matures us. It grows us. It makes us more like Jesus. Put your Nikes back on. Let's jog to our second step, okay? Uh, it says in James 1, 13 to 15, that the greatest danger to you, the greatest danger to me is not external, any guesses where it is? It's, it's internal. Verse 13. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does He tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil desire. Verse 15. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is Full grown gives birth to death. Dragged away, chase is a hunting term. Uh, dragged away is when you bait a trap to lure an animal into the trap where it is caught. Enticed is a fishing term. It means that you put this glistening minnow on a hook you put a juicy night crawler, you put a spinning lure on the hook, and you're trying to entice the walleye to nibble and then swallow the hook. Tracking with me? That, that's what's going on here. Dragged away, enticed. Everybody here has an area or two or three where a certain type of bait is attractive to us. Tracking? Everybody here, there's no exceptions. We all have an area uh, of sin that we just naturally in us, our old sin nature is attracted to that type of sin. It says here, as we swim toward the bait, our eyes and our minds are drawn to sin. Because it's covered up. It looks good. It, it, looks it looks juicy until we bite the bait and you bite, and the fish bites, the walleye bites the bait for a second. Boy, that nightcrawler tastes good, right? What's the problem after it bites the nightcrawler? What's next? Then the hook. <laughs> then the hook is set, and then consequences comes 
rolling in. Death, trouble, difficulty. I, I'm, I'm just telling you, it looks really good. It's sweet for a short season, and then suddenly it's painful and it hurts. Uh, you need to remember this verse, 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, when, when your sin, your bait of choice, and we're all different, what appeals to you probably doesn't appeal to me, but we all have that sin of choice. Know this, as soon as it appears, if you'll fire up a quick prayer, Jesus help. Because <laughs> right now that, that, that glistening lure, that minnow looks really good. If you'll fire up a quick prayer, 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, the Lord will always provide a way out. That's the problem. <laughs> we forget to fire it up. Or we do, and the Lord says, here's your way out. And uh, do, you, do you have a second option? You've got a plan B, got a plan C. So if you'll fire up that arrow prayer, the Lord will show us an escape hatch. But you've got to remember to fire up that prayer. Ready to run again? Let's go to number three. And uh, here, here's, here's that Sunday. Do you remember, you remember this one? You, you look in the mirror. And you go, whoa, hair hasn't been touched since last Sunday. Um, teeth, yeah. There's a nice coat of film all over because I haven't really messed with my teeth. Ah, oh, I had corn on Tuesday night. I had seen some corn in there. And you're looking around, you know, the beard's not doing so good, kind of unkept. Um, lots of green stuff. I've been struggling with a cold all week long, sorry. So, so you're looking at the mirror and you say, you know what, that, that's a lot of work. I don't, I don't have time, so I'm just going to put this lousy mirror down. Maybe I'll look again next Sunday, right? Here's what James says about that. James 1 verse 22, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but doesn't do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away, immediately forgets what he looks like. Oh, well, that's okay. I'm a mess, but, but who cares? We're not called just to be hearers of the Bible. Not called just to look and listen to God's word. Instead, we're called to be what? What's, what have we been saying for the last nine weeks. We're called to be doers. Uh, hold up your wristband. That's what this is all about. James 1.22. Get your faith what? Get it moving. Get it moving. Act on what you know to be true. Fourth step in James. Concerning the two men who show up in church on Sunday morning. You remember those two guys who showed up in church? First guy's driving the cherry red Ferrari. There you go. Wheels into the back parking lot, parks on a dime. And uh, out of that cherry red Ferrari is someone you've never seen before, but man, they are wearing a perfectly tailored Armani suit, matching silk tie, looking like a million bucks. Here's the question. You going to greet him? You going to make sure you find out his name? Do you, do you think you'll make the effort to remember his name? And, and just pause. You, you still... You still haven't met him. You've just seen his car. You've just seen how he looks. Here's, here's my question. What are your impressions of him? 
as he walks right up and sits in the fourth row. Um, coming in late after the band has finished the offertory, um, a man drives in his car, 87 Escort, with a hole in the muffler to church. Remember him? Okay. And he's not in Armani. Um, he's got a Budweiser t-shirt, got an unkept beard. And as he walks by, it's pretty, pretty obvious he hasn't been showering recently. Okay. Um, here, here's my question. You going to greet him? going to go out of your way to find out his name? You're going to remember his name? And final question is this. Just, just looking at him, just know what he drove, j- just how he came in, what are your impressions of him even though you've never met him as he slides into the back row? James 2 and verse 1 says this. My brothers and sisters, believers in our Lord Jesus Christ must not show what is it? I'll give you another run at that. Uh, brothers and sisters, this is strong. Believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Yes, uh, being a follower of Jesus Christ is not compatible with favoritism. Word we would be associated with it, we get today, it's not compatible with prejudice. It's not, it's not being critical, suspicious, biased towards someone I've never met. I, I don't know them, but just looking at them by their outward appearance, the clothes they're wearing, their gender, their age, their race, their appearance, I'm already making judgments. I'm pretty sure I don't like them. I'm pretty sure they're not my kind of person. I'm pretty sure they must be... Uh, a sinful person or an awful person. Um, when we're behaving that way, give me your eyes, showing favoritism, showing prejudice, that's a sign of being polluted by the world. James 1, 27. That's a sign that I've been a hearer of God's Word. I, I listen to God's Word. I'm here every Sunday. I, I understand preaching, but I'm not putting it into practice. Because God's Word is clear The Lord is not someone who plays favorites. Everybody you'll meet this week is someone made in God's image. Everybody we'll meet in this coming week is somebody that Jesus Christ died on the cross for. You understand? So when you meet people and you don't know them, here's what you do know. They're made in God's image and Jesus loved them enough to die on the cross for them. I don't care what they look like. I don't care what their outward appearance is is all about. Favoritism is sin and needs to be rejected and eliminated in all of its forms in the body of Christ. Ready to run again? Let's run to our fifth stop. Okay? Pastor James reminds us there's great power in the good deeds of God's people as we live out our daily lives. I'll say it again. Great power, remarkable, I would say unpredictable power when followers of Jesus love like Jesus. I know some of you still got your love like Jesus uh, wristbands on, okay? I'm telling you, when we love like Jesus at school, it makes an impression on our teachers, on our coaches, on our fellow students. When we love like Jesus on the job, it makes a difference with the customers. 
It, it makes a difference with our fellow employers, employees, excuse me. It makes a difference to our bosses when we're loving like Jesus. And that's what he says. He says, I want you to splash the love of Jesus all over them. Because, James 2.17, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. Verse 24, you see that a person is considered righteous in right relationship with Jesus by what they do and not by faith alone. You need the faith alone in Christ alone, but then that should show itself in your daily life. We're called into relationship with Jesus to others around us with the fruit of our faith. Say that again, okay? We're called into relationship with Jesus, and now that I have this daily connection with Christ, now I show the fruit of my faith by being kind and helpful and caring and encouraging and supportive and generous and forgiving everywhere I go. And I'm telling you, there's power. Remarkable power when we're in connection with Jesus and then we put it to action in our daily lives. Stop number, anybody know where we're at? Six, yeah, here we go. We're a quick jog, jogging, okay? That was the Sermon on the, on the Mouth. Sermon on the Mouth, James chapter 3. Be aware just how dangerous your words really are. Our, our, our mouths, there we go, big old tongue, our mouths are dangerous. This past Friday, I, I was surprised, 500,000 hunters went out into the woods and uh, all over Michigan. 500,000 went out with loaded guns. And I just want to remind you, loaded guns are dangerous, but loaded gums are just as dangerous. We, we walk out, and I just want you to know, loaded gums can kill and wound and destroy, and I'm telling you, we can do great harm if we're not careful with our loaded gums. For most of us, the deepest wounds, the deepest scars, the deepest hurts we've ever received came from somebody's mouth. And usually it was a mouth that we trusted. Usually it was a mouth someone close, and now their mouth was out of control, spewing angry, careless, reckless words, and it does lasting harm. Be careful with your loaded gums. Number, you going to play along with me? Destination number in our run. Thank you very much. Last six verses of James 3. Thank you, Scott. Appreciate you uh, following. There's only two sources of wisdom on this planet. Only two sources of wisdom. And he talks about the first one. He says, James 3, 14 to 16, there is human, earthly, demonic wisdom of this world. It's the kind of wisdom that I've got inside of me, my old, selfish, sinful wisdom. It's the fruit of the fallen. It's bitter, verses 14 to 16, selfish, lying, chaos, proud, looking for evil, looking for minds to fill. Okay, So the wisdom of this fallen world, and then there's the wisdom of Jesus Christ. There's only two, and that's pure, 
and unmixed with sin promotes and seeks peace. It's considerate. It puts others first. Christ's wisdom, verses 17 and 18, full of mercy, lets people off my hook. You understand? You've harmed me. Now I, I, I let you go. Uh, it promotes peace. It's considerate. It puts other people first. Christ's wisdom is full of mercy. Okay. The wisdom of Christ is always in agreement and in alignment with God's Word, the Bible. Got that? How do I know if it's the wisdom of the world or the wisdom of Christ? Is it in alignment with, with God's Word, the Bible? Is it promoting peace? Is it uh, letting people off the hook and showing them mercy? That's a good sign, okay? Proverbs 13.20, here's what it says. Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. Say it with me. Walk with the wise, become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. So here's what it means. Walk daily with Jesus. Walk with people in close relationship who are saying yes to Jesus on a daily basis, allowing God's wisdom to flow. Guess what will happen? Hang with those people, you're going to get wise. Make your companions, friends, uh, movies, music that exalts the wisdom of this world. Are you ready? Prepare yourself for harm. <laughs> Prepare yourself because that's not going to take you good places. Eight stop in our run, James chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. It says that following after earthly wisdom has a natural destination. Following after this fallen world, following after my old sinful, selfish ways and thinking makes my daily companions the people who reject Jesus and His Word. So if that's the kind of movies you're watching, people who exalt sin and reject Jesus, if that's the kind of music you're constantly playing in your head, uh, that's feeding the old sinful, selfish dog called flesh. James 4, 1-5. And when my old sinful, selfish Jeff is large and in charge, guess what? Bad things are going on. Fighting, it says coveting, chasing after selfish pleasures, because life is all about my favorite three people. Who are my favorite three people in the flesh? They're yours. You know them, don't you? Yeah, they're your favorite three too. Pride is my way. I want to do it for me. What about me? It's the focus on me. Verse 6 says, when we live in pride, you're on the other team from Jesus Christ. When I'm saying, I got this, I don't need you, Lord. I, I can figure this one out. Um, it says, verse 6, James 4, huge, God opposes that kind of thinking. When you're thinking that way and speaking that way and hanging with people who are into that, you're on the other team. You're, you're playing for Satan's team. That's the truth. Because this living this out is acting on demonic, earthly wisdom. Last part of verse 6, here's the other side. Got to know this one. But God loves and gives grace to the... But lo, lo, God loves and gives grace to the humble. When we humble our... Lord, I need you. Lord, I'm desperate for you. Jesus, I surrender all. I can't handle this on my own. When we're constantly crying out to Jesus, that's humble. 
Without you, I am nothing, can do nothing. I am in deep, deep trouble. That's a mindset of humble. And the Lord says, I give grace. <laughs> I'm giving grace to that kind of thinking. It should really go like this. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that only goes to the humble when I cry out. You understand? Because we're all about grace, grace, grace. But can I just tell you, grace goes when I have the proper mindset. Grace comes when I'm humbly crying out. And Lord, I need you. I'm desperate for you. I, I can't do this without you. Ninth stop in our run. We looked at this last week. Um, chapter 4, verses 13 to 17. We saw the danger, the pride in making plans for the future without consulting the king first. Who is the king of glory? Who, who is our savior? Who's the one who created us, who has sustained us, who is the one who died on the cross for us, who is the one who's given us the gift of his spirit and the gift of his instruction manual for life? His name is Jesus Christ. And when I just charge, I'm a follower of that, that king, but when I just charge into life, and I don't consult the king. Here's what James says, verse 16. This is strong. Pull your toes in. That's proud thinking. That's self-sufficient thinking. That's arrogant thinking. That's evil. That's evil. So that's strong. That's strong. But, but when I just charge in and make plans without inviting Jesus to be a part of those plans, that's a problem. That's a problem. Uh, we are now to the 10th and final stop. We, we did pretty good, don't you think? Here we go. Uh, now we're going to uh, finish that run, and uh, I'm going to call this the seventh inning stretch. How you like that? Would you stand with me if you're able? We're, we're going to read uh, number 10 out loud together. Uh, start with verse 13. I know we normally do it earlier in the service, but, but this is a good place to break right now. Stand, okay, stretch a bit. Read with me. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up if they've sinned. They will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Let's pray. Lord, as we dig into our 10th stop right now, would you help us, Lord, not to just be hearers of your word, but I pray that you'll help us to put these verses into practice, even right now. And Lord, I pray even now for those who are here today, and the truth is, there's trouble, there's weakness, there's sickness going on in some area of their life. Lord, I'm praying that you might speak to them and impress upon them their need to humble themselves so that your grace and your goodness can lift them up. That's what we're asking. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray all these things. And all the church family at Walloon Lake said with one united voice, James 5.14.
Is anyone among you in trouble? Is anyone among you sick? Is anyone among you, literally the word means experiencing weakness. Okay? Great word, uh, asthenio, uh, means weakness, trouble, sickness. Another place, very same word is used, 2 Corinthians 12.10. Paul writes, that's why for Christ's sake, I delight in asthenio. Okay? Weakness. I delight in weakness. I delight in trouble. I delight in sickness. Um, James is saying, when you, as a follower of Jesus, have a, a, an area of trouble or sickness or weakness in your life, here is what you should do. What, what are you talking about? Give me some examples. Weakness in your financial situation. Weakness in your job uh, and what's going on. It's not good. Trouble in your marriage. Trouble with your family. Sickness in your emotions. What do you mean? Uh, fear, anxiety, anger is overwhelming my life. Weakness in your spiritual life. I've got this entangling, besetting sin, and every time the bait is dropped in front, I, I'm just constantly going and biting, and now trouble and consequences keep rolling in, and I'm in chains. Trouble in your physical health. Recent diagnosis that's not good. Chronic condition that seems like it's running your life. Those would all be examples. Followers of Jesus, what do we do if there's an area of trouble or weakness or difficulty going on? It's very clear. Here we go. It says, James 5.14, Is anyone among you sick? Anyone among you sick? Ask the Neo, area of weakness. Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. Okay? You're sick. You're right. I, I've got this area of weakness. I've got this area of trouble. What do you do? Three steps here. One, admit that you have an area of trouble. That, that's humbling, right? To own up to the fact that, yeah, I do have this area and it's bad right now. It's an area of trouble, weakness, sickness. And oh, by the way, give me your eyes. This isn't for someone else. In other words, mom, you can't do this for your son or daughter. Uh, wives, you can't do this. You can't say, my husband has an, a really big area of weakness. And I'm going to go to the elders on behalf of my husband. doesn't work that way. The person with the trouble with the weakness, with the sickness, is to go, and it says, go to the elders, to the leaders of the local church, and third step, verse 14, ask them to anoint you with oil. I'd like you to anoint me with oil. Would you pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? Because I've got this area of weakness. I've got this area of trouble. I've got this, this, this type of sickness going on in my life. Some of you are thinking, why, oh why, Pastor Jeff, would I want to do, why would I do that? And the answer is verse 16. Here's why. Because prayer is powerful and effective. Why would you do that? Because prayer is, and, and prayer when you do it God's way, according to the book, is powerful and effective. Why? Because it brings Jesus, you're inviting Jesus into your situation. 
You're asking Jesus to come and help you in your area of weakness and trouble and sickness. Lord, Lord, I need you and all that only you can bring into my life right now. Because this, this is a bad place that I'm in right now. It's not just being a hearer. Okay, yeah, I know that's in God's Word. It's not being a hearer only. It's being a doer today. So, elders, leaders, wives, I need you to please at this time stand. And if you don't have oil, come down and see Chad. Uh, but I'd like you to just make your way and uh, take your places. And this is your opportunity to actually put this into practice. Yeah. yeah. Bow your heads. Shut your eyes. Let's pray. Here's the key question for you to consider. Is there an area of weakness, trouble, sickness going on right now? Lord, would you show me? Because uh, sometimes we, uh, we are able just to ignore the obvious. Lord, speak. I'm listening. Lord, would you have me to go now and humble myself and be a doer of your word? Lord, Lord, are you asking me right now? Are you nudging me? Are you prompting me? Is this something that you'd have me to put into practice even right now? Speak. I'm listening. Make it clear. Make it obvious. But I, I'm ready to respond as you make yourself clear. Thank you.